Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. We're pleased to have today with us Stuart Niakatswao from Zimbabwe. Stuart, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm happy to connect with you and I hope you are well. Thank you. Uh, Stuart, let's get started by letting the audience get a bit of an understanding of your background. Uh, let's particularly start with your academic background. What was your path? Uh, what was your academic path and academic choices that you made along the way? All right. So uh, my story is uh, some funny ways. When I was growing up, I'd always wanted to be a pilot because, you know, we'd always see pilots as uh, very cool. And even in the society, you know, everyone would like be a pilot, be a pilot. And along the journey, when I found myself in a scientist class with a love for physics and mathematics, I then changed my destiny and I started to say I want to become a civil engineer. And upon the time to get to university, my academic points that I got were not sufficient enough for me to do engineering. So I remember that time I was at university and I was asking around, so, you know, guys, my points are, are not adequate enough for me to be an engineer. So what can I do? What can I do? I think my career is stuck right now. And I remember people, they just gave suggestions from the background. Pick medical lab sciences. And another one said, pick radiography. So on my first option, I had engineering. On my second option, I had radiography. On my third option, I had medical laboratory sciences. And uh, it happened that in the first two weeks at university, my sister then, um, you know, I was given medical lab sciences, by the way, actually. It was my third priority. It was my third option. But that is what the university gave me, medical lab sciences. So I went to my sister, you know, I was devastated. I was broken. And I was like, how can I be the person to work with urine? How can I be the person to work with stool, with blood? You know, I can't, I can't even get myself to look at it. I can't even work in a hospital. So I don't like this program. I didn't even like it at all. Then I remember my sister said, okay, so Stuart, what you're going to do? University of Zimbabwe, in the first two weeks, they give you a chance to move to your program. So the chairman for engineering department is a friend of mine. So what we are going to do, just sign up for medical lab sciences. And in the first two weeks during your, your orientation, we're going to do all we can so that you move from medical lab sciences to engineering. And uh, in those two weeks, I remember I got some certificates, some papers, and it was all signed that I've been accepted into engineering. The only thing that I had to do was to go to the chairman of medical lab sciences to sign out. And automatically, I would have moved from medical lab sciences to engineering. And uh, it is that time when I got introduced to, to someone by my math teacher, he just said, okay, Stuart, I, don't, I know you don't want this program, but just go and talk to this person. He is doing his master's in medical lab sciences. Maybe you may, you know, you may just get a little appreciation of the program in the field. Just talk to this person. I'm not asking you to change your decision to stop going to engineering. Just talk to this person. And uh, I remember I went to that person with the papers in my hands uh, before going to their chairperson to get signed out for medical lab sciences. 
So his name is uh, Dan Obankure. He was doing masters in public health. And uh, I remember the time that I got sick with him, he gave me advice. Uh, you know, he started to tell me more about medical life sciences. He started to tell me more about uh, what I can do with this program. And I started to see impact in the ways of um, health as a fundamental to building a, a successful society where things like illness are barriers to productivity. So I started to see myself as a person who is playing a huge role towards uh, positive health outcomes, towards universal health coverage. And from that point, from that moment, I realized that uh, I can make an impact in people's lives and the responsibility lies in my hands. So yeah, that's how I realized that uh, this is my destiny. So yeah. So you, uh, you decided to pursue past your first two weeks in medical lab sciences. And how did the rest of the bachelor's program go? Well, it was a roller coaster <laughs> because, you know, this is now more on the biological sciences. And I was a person who loved, um, who loved mathematics and physics more. So definitely it was a roller coaster. And, you know, I had prepared, I had bought work suits, I had bought everything for engineering. So from those two weeks, I had to change, to start buying lab coats and everything so that I get myself um, within the medical lab sciences family. It was a roller coaster, I don't want to lie. Even up to my fourth year, it was a roller coaster. I thought it was going to be easy, but it became a roller coaster. The reason why is um, you also gave me some heads up, not to just be a person who is pursuing studies for the sake of studies. You know, there's a, uh, a Bloom's taxonomy. And within Bloom's taxonomy, the first level is knowledge. The second one is understanding. The third one, I think it's application. So yes. many people, they usually end at the level of understanding or application. But uh, from that advice, you know, I actually made a decision that I want to get to the highest level of the Bloom's taxonomy, which is creating more synthesis. So yeah, I, I that motivation was the only thing that was keeping me going through the field. And uh, it is through that motivation that I was also able to to get an idea that then inspired us to get to what I'm now focusing on, medical waste management. Okay. So from an academic perspective, you completed your bachelor's and what came next? Okay, so from academic side, uh, I finished my bachelor's degree in medical lab sciences and immediately I started to to work on Westinova as a, a startup and I was also working part-time at a local laboratory and uh, that's how I've moved up now. So I was doing part-time and I was focusing more on uh, medical life sciences. One of the reasons why I didn't make an instant decision to get into master's is because I really wanted to understand uh, the needs for, that, you know, the kind of qualification or skill that is needed in Western Nova. And uh, that is what is then going to prompt me to pick a master's. So, you know, I was in a position where I was trying to figure out if I should go for master's in public health because focusing on medical waste management there is a strong uh, impact with regards to infection control, uh, public health epidemiology, understanding the disease trends and how it is related to waste management. Then there's also another side of business management because now I'm now running a business. So I was asking myself, which should I prioritize? Can I go and specialize 
from this technical side, which is masters in public health or epidemiology or microbiology, or I should focus more on the business side. So I have to give myself time to really see the needs, to really see the gap. And then whatever masters that I then choose will bring in more value that will go and close off that gap. Sure. So let's let's talk about your, your business side. So upon completion, you created yes. the startup and the startup is called Waste Nova. Can you let us know what that startup focuses on? Okay, so uh, West Nova focuses on solutions. Uh, we provide solutions for medical waste management in in Zimbabwe, and we are also pushing to spread into Africa. Uh, I don't know if it is okay if I can just give a brief background about this startup. Uh, please do, please do. Okay, sure. So in 2017, I was reading a newspaper and I came across a story of a girl who went into a dump site and uh, she saw a blood tube and she thought it was lipstick. And uh, lucky enough, someone was able to see her putting that blood on her lips and um, she managed to get treatment and uh, prophylaxis. But then when I was reading that story, because I was a person who had already been... Um, exposed to the Bloom's taxonomy immediately, I knew that after reading, getting an understanding of this story, evaluating it, seeing the problem, I had to create a solution to it. So by then, I thought maybe the challenge that has caused medical waste to be in a dump site is because no one is able to transport waste from clinics to where it has to be incinerated. So immediately, I had to hiring a truck to pick waste from clinics to where it was incinerated. And as we were in the process of doing that, we realized that uh, that was the only incinerator that was working in the capital, in a public institution. So I started to look around, to look for anyone who was willing to invest in this business to purchase incinerators so that we build our own infrastructure. And uh, as we were looking out for funders, I, 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 I got to link up with these guys in uh, India, and uh, this guy gave me advice that can change everything. So this gentleman in India, uh, you know, opened my eyes towards uh, innovating. So what he said was, looking at the cost of operating an incinerator in Zimbabwe is so high, so if you're going to buy an incinerator, it is going to be expensive for you to operate it. And uh, eventually, it will just die off over time. And uh, also looking at the side of sustainability, you can't be burning waste. So I want to give you advice as a young man, as a young person, look for a solution that is sustainable, a solution that will lead to uh, a green healthcare system. And uh, I started to look around, so what is it that I can do to replace this narration? And that's when I realized that uh, there's autoclaving. So that was now the birth of innovation in, uh, in Western Nova. To say, what if we get all the waste from health facilities, we sterilize and disinfect it, and then we take it for recycling instead of burning this waste. Because to burn this waste, we need uh, uh, high cost, high capital cost in terms of building infrastructure, 
and to burn off this waste at such high temperatures, there is need for maintenance, there is need for uh, raw materials, coal, and it's expensive to get coal in Zimbabwe. So let's let's go on with this initiative. And uh, we started to work with one facility doing the recycling of medical waste, two facilities, three facilities, and before we even realized it, were recognized by Ambulance South Africa is one of the six imaging um, ideas in, in healthcare in Africa. And we also recognized in Zimbabwe as uh, the best business in waste management, considering the idea that we had, even though we had not been able to scale to reach many people. And uh, in 2020, late 2020, we realized that, uh, you know, we are battling with waste, but what, what can we do to even spread our our impact. So we have to look at the whole supply chain. You know, if you are facing struggles to manage mercury, then replace mercury in the supply. If you are struggling to, to recycle plastic, then eliminate plastic in the supply. So we have to pivot to now work with the end-to-end chain from, from um, purchasing in hospitals, and then logistics, and we end with disposal. So recently we partnered with a local business in Zimbabwe called Maze Medicals. They, are, they supply medical equipment, and uh, we are working through innovations to say, what is it that we can eliminate on things that are being supplied to hospitals? And us, as a waste management company, we have trucks and everything. We are able to move those things to the hospital, and after they have used it, they are able to collect it and dispose it in environmentally uh, friendly solutions. So before the onset of COVID, we had already started to, to advocate for the use of non-conduct thermometers as opposed to using uh, mercury thermometers. Why? Because the non-conduct thermometer, it is a longer lifespan and it is easier to dispose as compared to those that contain mercury. So now we have spread our impact, not just in medical waste disposal, but also in how hospitals get purchased. And uh, we call that line, that whole streamline, end-to-end uh, end -end service. And uh, we have started to work with hospitals that are now pushing towards a green health ecosystem because they purchase things that are green, they use them in a green manner, and we dispose them in a clean manner. So that is the inspiration behind uh, Waste Nova. Well, that's phenomenal. And, and uh, medical waste management is certainly a, a very significant problem in many jurisdictions, uh, certainly before COVID and obviously after COVID <clears throat> as well. Uh, but uh, definitely, yeah. uh, definitely, definitely a need that's there. Can you let me know a little bit, Stuart? So the concept of the waste management um, when did it actually trigger that waste management is going to be the issue? So you read the article for the young lady, but uh, you had a civil engineering background. So where does that fit with the waste in uh, with the waste Innova uh, business concept? Was it just a trigger to think of problems? Was it a problem solving method? Was it uh, looking at it from the incineration perspective and sort of the, the you know the physics, the heat, the temperatures, and so forth involved in incineration? What was it that kind of married the two together for you? Okay, so. What happened is I read this story in uh, 2016, I think, yeah. It was in 2016 when I was about to do my final research project 
at a university. And I went to the lecturer or my supervisor to say, okay, you know, I want to focus on, I want to do waste management. I want to do a prevalence, you know, to just see after I even realized that uh, this girl got exposed to make the waste in a dump site. I wanted to seek more on it. But unfortunately, my lecturer said, okay, we can't do this for specific reasons. So I had to put it aside. I had to do something else. But uh, this idea kept on ringing in my head. You know, working in a laboratory, you see the kind of organisms that you release that you throw away as waste. And imagine this waste being in a dump site where people are going into that dump site to scavenge. It's something that did not give me freedom and peace. So that was the onset of waste nova, of waste management to say, okay, let's just collect this waste and we make sure that it doesn't go to the dump site. We throw it where it is supposed to be thrown. So initially we thought the challenge was on transportation of waste from point of generation to point of disposal. And later we figured out that uh, the problem wasn't just transportation, but it was infrastructure to bend this waste. And later we realized again that the problem is not just in infrastructure to bend this waste, but uh, the ease or the simplicity of technology. Is the technology fitting to what is needed here in Africa? You know, Zimbabwe is a low-income country. And to burn off one bag of waste globally, the price is around $10, $10. And in Zimbabwe, some facilities, if not much of the facilities, they can't afford to dispose their waste at such a price. So we had to look at how best can we now bring down the price. And definitely, that was the way out of incinerators. Because incinerators were expensive to manage, expensive to buy, uh, expensive to, to run. So the quickest solution was to find something that is different. Let me give you a simple example. Uh, to burn waste, you need 1,800 degrees Celsius. And to sterilize waste, you need 134 degrees Celsius. So it is tenfold less in terms of energy to use a sterilizer or an autoclave as compared to an incinerator. And for you to, to maintain such high temperatures for an incinerator, you need a lot of things um, in the furnace to make sure that it withstands such heat. And for you to just maintain 134 degrees it is a simple boiler that you need. So already on that perspective, cost of equipment, you can see that uh, there was a huge decline in terms of cost. Then running to reach 134 degrees, it's basic. Uh, you know, it's like water boiling point is too basic. As compared to reaching 1,800, you need a lot of energy input to reach such amount of energy. So that was also how we then started to push out incinerators to say this is costing more, uh, this requires more, and in terms of emissions, this is producing a lot of emissions. For our such clientele that we have, the one things that are cheaper, the one things also that are environmentally friendly. So this, this is the path to go. So yeah, mainly it was with my experiences as a medical lab scientist. Okay, so let's just discuss. Um, you've always taken a, a quite interesting path from the medical lab sciences field, uh, not the traditional one you'd assume, where a lot of people end up either in a bench or uh, conducting research or, or even going the public health perspective. The masters of MPH is quite popular 
among several of the colleagues we've met and spoken to. Could you give us some advice? So for those uh, beginning their medical lab science career or considering uh, entering the program uh, itself, uh, but are uncertain because it may not be their first choice. Um, any, any advice or suggestions, perhaps given the advice that you received, but what, what are your thoughts for them? Yeah, okay. So the first thing that I'll say is uh, the responsibility to change the narrative of their story lies in their hands. In their hands lies the potential to change the direction that this world will go next. And uh, usually many people, what we are taught at university is what they just take straight into, into the world. Yet they forget that uh, these are just basic principles that they were given on how they can change the world. So when someone moves into, 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 into medical lab sciences, it is important to keep an observing eye, to always observe problems around our lives, problems around us, be it in public health or in any uh, sort of healthcare system. The most important thing is to always keep an observant eye. Uh, one of our professors usually says, you've got a third eye. Use that third eye to always observe. When you see, don't just see, but observe. So the moment you start to observe problems that you are facing, problems that are arising in our societies, you start to come up with uh, initiatives that you can then do first and foremost on the path to sustainable development. So the most important thing and the most important advice that I can give is uh, the responsibility lies in your hands and also understand that you need to have a third eye, an observing eye. You know, the benches that we work on, this is something that was already innovated many years back. Now it is the time to start looking at the next level of technology. How can we look at uh, the next technology that will need less blood? How can we look at the next technology that uh, needs non-invasive systems? How can we optimize uh, point-of-care testing? How can we optimize early identification of bacteria in any way? How can we minimize uh, secondary transmission within our, our societies? The moment you start to have that observant eye, you can pick uh, problems at at an early level and definitely will be able to be as innovative as we can and to transform this world and change this world, especially young people. Young people possess this greatest responsibility and it starts with them. It starts with a group. It starts in your class. It starts at your college. It starts, you know, in that little community. The moment you just get yourself in and you know that within me, I carry this responsibility to change. And medical life sciences is going to give me the skills, it's going to give me the tools that I need to make that change. You'll be successful with your life. Very well said, Stuart. Thank you. Um, let's discuss uh, some of the mentors and some of the people that helped impact uh, your decisions and your journey along the way. Uh, anyone in particular you'd like to offer your thanks to? Yeah, mainly uh, I would give thanks to four men who have contributed uh, a greatest change in my life. I think I'll just give them in a certain order. The first one is uh, Danu Bangwe. He is the first man that I got to be introduced to in medical life sciences. And ever since the first day that I saw him, he has held, he has held my hand. Uh, you know, we can't go more than two, three weeks without talking. And he is always there to 
give me direction and he's always picking out opportunities for me so that there's an opportunity to offer it so he's been more of a brother to me and uh the second person is um George Mabongani Jay. He was working at Mr. Blasted Zimbabwe as a manager there. And he is also one of the passionate medical life scientists in, in Zimbabwe. And uh, he has helped me to build confidence. Because the moment that I realized that our medical life scientist is now being hard and tough on me, I became too afraid. I knew that within me there is great potential, there's this zeal, this energy to make a change. But I was so afraid. So he, he had always been the one to check up on me, Stuart, you know what, do this, do this. And, you know, getting a lot of books to read from him definitely to build uh, confidence. And uh, the third man who then came into my life, I think it was in 2014 in my second year, was Itai Shungo. Itai became more of a direct mentor who would meet every, every week to help me mold my skills and research he helped me mold my skills in business. You know, it became uh, more of a life-changing experience to me. Even establishing a vision and mission statement, yes, goals and everything. It was uh, and he has also been very hands-on in the early days of uh, Western Nova and he, he has supported throughout. And consistently, sometimes I even forget to look out on him. But uh, being a mentor, is always there to check out me and to ensure that uh, I'm moving in the right direction. And uh, the last person is uh, Simba Rashishinyamba, mainly now in business. You know, it's hard if you're moving from college, you're having focused on biological scientists, medical lab scientists, and you're running a business. You know, you get stuck. And um, this is one person who has been there to make sure that I'm running the business as it is supposed to be run and uh, to give advice, to connect with other people who can, you know, teach business fundamentals on how can you run a business, how can you grow it, how can you scale it, how do you build up systems in a business and everything. So, yeah, these are for me. I know there are some whom I may not uh, have uh, said out their names, but, uh, yeah. You know, my life has always been about men who have carried me on, on their shoulders, even women who have carried me on their shoulders to help me see what is what lies on the next horizon. And uh, for that reason, that's why I'm also able to look back to students to help them so that I also carry them on my shoulders to see what lies even beyond so that we keep going in the metabolic thing. Um, thank you very much for your time today, Stuart. This is excellent, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon and hearing the update uh, on your progress. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot org. Thank you.